One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 198. If you're like most listeners of this podcast, you first started your business, not because you're an experienced business person, but because you have something you love to do or you care about, and you've decided to make it your full-time gig. And then you'll find yourself in the situation that we all find ourselves in as small business owners, which is that we actually have to sell our thing, our product, our service, our offer, whatever it is. It's only a business if we're actually selling it. And for most businesses, selling is actually an active process. We can't just wait for sales to come in. We need to set our sales and marketing processes up so that sales actually happen. And this is where things get a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of us. But sales does not have to be uncomfortable, and that's where today's episode comes in. Today, we're talking all about selling, and specifically, sleaze-free selling. Selling in a way that feels good and aligned. And to have this conversation, I have a guest. My guest today's name is Megan Smythe. Megan is a sales copywriter and consultant for mission-driven entrepreneurs. Through her in-depth research process, personality-filled copy, and pull-no-punches consulting, She helps purpose-driven founders drive revenue and make a positive impact without unethical business practices or sleazy sales tactics. In this episode, we discussed what sleaze-free selling is, how small business owners' fear of selling holds them back, what it means to lead with empathy, how to get to know your ideal customer better, why we shouldn't worry about being too much, how to attract values-aligned customers, and more. Let's jump right in. Megan, welcome to Making Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really thrilled to have you. I would love for us to just jump right in because I like I have the list of questions and like topics that we're going to talk about today and they are so up my alley and I know this is going to be a very juicy conversation so I just want to jump right into it. Before I do so that we have a bit of context for folks listening, could you share a little bit with my audience about who you are, what your business is, and maybe a little bit about your path to getting there. Yeah, for sure. I will I'll try to keep it succinct because like most entrepreneurs, it's a bit of a <laughs> long and winding road to get yeah. here. Um, I am a copywriter and consultant for purpose-driven founders, and I work with both service providers and product-based brands all across a range of different industries. But what all of my clients have in common is they're all on a mission to make a positive impact in the world. So some of them that looks like sustainability focus, some of them might be empowering women, you know, giving back to diverse communities. They all really have a strong sense of purpose. And it's my job to take that big vision in their head of the change they want to create, turn that into words, and then turn those words into sales. Because the more you grow your income and your revenue in your business, the more opportunity you have to grow that 
impact as well. So that's what I do in terms of how I got here. Um, like I said, long and winding road. A lot of copywriters come from like an English major, journalism background, marketing. Mm-hmm. I actually originally I studied pre med in university, <laughs> so a bit mm. different. And yeah, so I come from a science background. I worked in medical research for a number of years as well. And that might seem like a total 180 to some people, but it's actually really informed my copywriting and my marketing process because I have that research background and I really believe in understanding the like psychology and the neuroscience side of sales as well. Because really all sales is, is understanding how human beings make decisions. And so it's, it's really fun to use that background in a really creative way I never expected to, but here we are. I love that. I love hearing people's different origin stories and. I think one thing most folks have in common is a, a very nonlinear path, which <laughs> is very comforting. And I feel like I just want to say that for anyone who's really early on in their business or like even thinking about starting a business, but feels like, you know, I didn't go to school to study this or whatever. I think when you're following things that you're excited about, like you can't go wrong. So I, I just really appreciate you sharing the the sort of like different background that you come from. And I think that's really helpful context. What kind of work do you do with your clients these days? So you're a copywriter. I love that you work with purpose-driven businesses. What kinds of services or like what kinds of challenges do you help them with? Yeah. So there are a couple of different reasons why people come to me. The number one reason is normally they want to see an increase in conversion or increase in revenue for their business. They're ready to grow and get to that next stage. And so that would be working on like a specific project, whether it's a sales page, email funnel, website copy, that sort of thing. Um, We can help book out their business through conversion copywriting. But the other reason that people come to me is more of a broader messaging uh, issue they're looking to solve. So maybe they know what they want to say, but they don't know how to say it in a way that will really resonate with their target audience. And they feel really driven to help these people, but they're not sure how to bridge that gap and like really communicate their value. And so we work on that as well. I actually work on that you know, with any client, even if they just come to me and say, Hey, I need a sales page. Uh, I always make a point to do that deeper messaging work and, you know, to give them, I, every project I work on, I, we do a full in-depth messaging guide so that they have those really core messages they can come back to over and over again in their business. Love, love. I think that's so important. You used a couple of words that I think it'd be helpful to define for folks who may be newer to marketing and, and business and copywriting. So, Two terms. First is funnels. And the second is conversion copywriting. I would love for you to just define what those mean to you and what they just knowing that our audience is a lot of creative small business owners, some product based, some service based. How might those terms apply to them? Yeah, for sure. So um, let's start with funnels because I think that's a really important thing to define. And there's a lot of different definitions, you know, floating around the internet <laughs> if you go and look this up. So your funnel can be your sales funnel, your marketing funnel. They're essentially, you know, two halves of a whole is really the journey that people go on from when they first come into contact with your business to when they buy from you and become a customer. So that could include, you know, potential traffic sources like maybe you're on Instagram, Facebook, maybe you've got email list going, all that's part of your sales funnel. And it's really bringing people on that journey towards working with you step by step. And conversion copywriting 
is the art of converting people, you know, through the different steps in that funnel. So everywhere someone says yes to you or your business, to buy from you, to work with you, even just to learn more, that's conversion. And it's not necessarily always a sale. It could be they opt into your email list. It could be, let's say, in an Instagram caption, if you end your caption saying like, you know, click the link in bio, if they do and they take that Mm -hmm. action, then they're converting. Yeah, I think that's such an important point that conversion is just when a lead, a potential customer, a customer takes the action that you want them to take. It's not always a purchase. So I'm really glad you said that. Um, Because I think when people talk about conversion rates and even conversion copywriting, that can... I don't know, be met with just some blank stares. So I'm glad that we took the time to sort of define that. One thing that when it comes to selling and marketing, even that a lot of small business owners respond with is that it just feels like icky to them. Like it feels gross. They don't want to like trick people into buying from them or like do anything sleazy. And I know that a big focus for you is what you call sleaze free selling. I love this. I love for you to just share what you mean by that and how how we might be able to channel some of that in our marketing. Yeah, for sure. So we're all familiar with that feeling of you know feeling gross about selling and also being sold too, right? We've all had that experience. Maybe it was like really awkward, like door to door salesman scenario, or like you've gotten like you know, those automatic dialer calls where they're trying to sell you something like that's just an experience that doesn't feel good on either end. And Mm -hmm. so to me, like sleaze free selling is the opposite of that. It's a buying experience that feels good both to you and the people buying from you. And the way to do that is to really lead with empathy in your marketing. And I can get into some specific ways to do that. But what it really comes down to is like just putting yourself in your audience's shoes. And instead of making it all about you and your product and your business that you're selling to them, really just thinking about like, you know, what is this person going through on the other side of the screen? If you're running an online business, it's easy to lose sight of that, right? And forget there's there's another human being on the other side of the process. And they've got all these thoughts and feelings going through their head as well. And so it's really just tapping into that and learning to speak to your audience with empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said you'd have some examples of that. I would love to dig into that a little bit more. Because I, I'm such a fan of your approach being that there's a human on the other end and not just like a dollar sign and treating them with like respect and empathy, I think is so important. Practically speaking, what might that look like? Yeah, for sure. So there's so many different ways you can do this. And that's what I love about this kind of overarching strategy is that you can get really tactical with it as well. So when I say, you know, it's really all about the customer and not your business, I know that can sound like it's a bit harsh because it's your business, right? You're selling something. Hopefully you're passionate about what you're selling. But when I say that, hopefully your takeaway will be that you can kind of take some of that pressure off yourself because in the sales situation, by making it about the customer and not you, then you, you know, it's not as personal, right? If someone says no, you're just inviting them to work with you. You're putting the opportunity out there and you're going to be okay with the outcome either way. So from the first thing I would say is to make that mindset switch and just know it's not about you personally. It is always about them. And the more you understand that, the more successful you'll be in sales. In terms of a couple of tactical strategies of how you can do this, you know, in your marketing and your copy. The first thing I always tell people, it's a very minor thing, but I see it over and over again, is to make that switch in your language 
and look at how many places, you know, let's say on your website, you're using the words I, me, or we, you're speaking in that first person as opposed to speaking to the reader. So using you focused language. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to illustrate that just just in case someone listening isn't clear on that? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So let's say like, you know, on your website, most people are like, well, here's what I do. Here are all my qualifications. This is how I help people. These are my products. And it's just taking that and reframing it. So it's instead of it saying, I do this, it's, you know, here's how I help you. Here's what you're struggling with. And I see you struggling with that. I know how frustrating it is. Here are some solutions. And, you know, here's what these solutions can do for you and speaking directly to the reader. It's a really Mm -hmm. subtle change, but it makes a big difference in terms of people really being able to see themselves in your copy or on your website. Something that you just brought to mind for me is some pushback that I often get, especially from product-based business owners, which is that um, we talk a lot as marketers about finding your customers' pain points and making sure that you're addressing that in your copy um, and in your business overall, like making sure that your products are solutions to pain points. A lot of product-based business owners, like especially, you know, if you make something that's more of like a nice to have, like um, jewelry, let's say, a lot of those types of business owners have a tough time seeing how their products are solutions to pain points instead of just like, you know, pretty jewelry. How would you suggest that? Let's say, let's use that actual example. Let's say it's a jewelry designer who wants to create a website that is really speaking to their ideal customer and showing how they can help, but they don't feel like their specific product actually solves a pain point. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. That's a really great question. I'm really glad you asked that. And I think it's especially relevant to product-based businesses, like you said. Um, So let's use... Yeah, the jewelry example is a great one. So I would say, number one, you know, it's really helpful to know your audience's pain points. And so I would say if you can uncover something there, for example, the jewelry, it might be maybe they're looking for a gift for someone like uh, for a special occasion, that could be a potential pain point. Um, But if if you're struggling with that, what I would say is instead, you know... Let's let's take the pain points out of the equation for a second and focus on the transformation you're offering people and specifically the emotional transformation. So if they're buying jewelry for themselves and like you said it's it's not a, you know, life necessity, it's a nice to have. But what emotional transformation is that going to give them? How are they going to feel when they buy that piece of jewelry, when they put it on or, you know, if they're giving it to someone else? you know, seeing that the recipient's face and their gratitude and the excitement of that moment. So I would say if you're having trouble identifying pain points, then lean into the positive transformation and how your product's going to change their life for the better, even in small ways. Yeah. Nodding my head as I'm listening. That's a great, great response. (laughs) So one of the things that I know you talk quite a bit about is the fear that we can sometimes have around selling and how this might hold us back. Do you want to just riff on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I I see this all the time in pretty much every entrepreneur I work with, especially women. I think it's just so ingrained in us to to not be pushy, right? We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to ask for too much. We don't want to be 
too loud. We should just be like grateful for what we have and not ask for more. And, you know, it, it sometimes comes from a good place that not wanting to be pushy, but it can also really hold you back in your business because sales is what keeps a business going. And so if you're, you know, feeling hesitant to ask people for the sale, that's not a great place to be. Um, in terms of how to like reframe that and move past it, the first step is to recognize if you have those feelings, it's not your fault. It is natural for a lot of us to feel that sort of internal resistance to selling. But there is, you know, steps you can take to become more comfortable with it and to work through that. So like I mentioned earlier, you know, making the reframe of it not being about you personally and just focusing on, you know, how you serve your clients. And you know firsthand whether you're selling products or you're a service provider, you know the positive impact that you create for your customers. And so really just try to stay in that mind frame of like you're helping people. You're you know, giving them a service, you're giving them beautiful products, you're going to improve their life in some way. So just try to stay focused on that aspect of it rather than feeling like, oh, I have to sell them something. And I, you know, rather than focusing on the money exchange and just focus on that, getting people excited to work with you and feeling excited to work with them. Yeah. And we don't have businesses without making sales. So I think sometimes it's a matter of just like leaning into the discomfort of asking for a sale. Like even, even if it doesn't feel great yet, like just being willing to be uncomfortable and you yeah. know, put yourself out there and talk about your product and stand behind it. I think it doesn't always feel comfortable, but yeah. most of the best things for me have happened when I'm not in my comfort zone anyway. So you you might surprise yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good point. And, you know, I will say to anyone who's listening to this and you're maybe newer in business and you do still feel really uncomfortable with that, uh, what Lauren said right now is like so key and you will get more comfortable. Part of it does just come with practice. And the longer you're in business, the more confident you'll feel in your products and in your messaging. And so <laughs> just keep putting yourself out there. It will get easier, I promise. Yes. It, it does. It does. Sort of at the heart of everything that we're talking about when it comes to writing great copy and conversion copy and being empathetic to our ideal customers, all of this depends on a very good understanding of who our ideal customer actually is. And, you know, getting to know those specific things about them, their habits, their interests, how they spend their time, all of those things. How do you guide your clients or how would you advise listeners of the podcast today to go through a process of figuring out who their ideal customer actually is and, you know, kind of collecting that information that's going to be really helpful to them? Yeah. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about. And this is where all that research training comes into play here is that <laughs> when, when I work with clients, I don't write any copy ever for myself, for my clients, for anyone without doing the research beforehand, because I don't want to base my messaging on guesswork. I want it to come from real data, from real things people have said, from real conversations that I've had with my audience or with my client's audience. So I know that can kind of scare some people off when I'm like, you have to do market research. <laughs> I'm not talking about sending you know really long, annoying surveys to people. You don't necessarily even have to ask people to get on like a formal market research call. You definitely can. That's a that's a great tool to use if you feel comfortable doing that. But there's lots of different ways to get to know your audience. There are dozens and hundreds of ways. And so what it really comes down to is just having those conversations. Again, putting yourself out there in ways that might feel uncomfortable at first. But it can just be... You, know, you can start small. It can be conversations in the DMs that you're having with people. It can be on client calls that you're already having. 
For example, um, if you're a service provider and you're getting on like a, a discovery call or some type of onboarding kickoff call, make sure you're recording those and you're really listening to what people are saying to you when they're talking about their business and their struggles and their goals, all of that. That is research and you can use that in your copy and your messaging. And it, it's really what we call as copywriters voice of customer research. So that's how your audience is talking about their problems, about their business in their own words. That's what makes for really powerful copy. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of like getting those phrases and, and ways of saying things or ways of articulating problems that you may not have come up with on your own. But like, if you hear that same phrase over and over again, like there's definitely something very gold in that when it comes to copy. So like actually using those words, I think is brilliant advice. This is kind of a tactical question, but do you have an approach to like storing all of this information? Something <laughs> that I personally haven't really cracked the code on when it comes to like, I do know my customers really, really well, but at this point it's kind of in my head. And so I have, a, mm-hmm. I'm challenged when I'm trying to like share that information with my team or like delegate anything. It's kind of, it's with me. So do you yeah. have any advice for like how to store all of this information or what specifically do you want to know about people? Like, are there certain like kind of buckets that you try to check off? Yeah, for sure. So the first thing is, it's more important to store that information than it is, you know, where specifically you're storing it. So my recommendation would just be to find a method that works for you that you'll use consistently. So in my own business, for example, I used to use a spreadsheet. And I have no idea what compelled me to do this. I think when I was just starting out, it was what other people were using other copywriters. And so I felt like that's what I should do as well. But I personally am not a spreadsheet person. I just do something about spreadsheets that I just don't like. I am more of like a messy Google Doc type of person. And mm-hmm. so that's something I learned in my business is that, you know, it works better for me to have kind of like a free flowing document. For some people, a spreadsheet will work really well. Or if you have uh, a project management software you use like ClickUp or Asana, Notion, something like that, that you're already using on a regular basis, I would say to keep it um, someplace you'll be referencing regularly because this is a living document, right? It's not necessarily something you create once and then that's it forever. So make it sure it's something you'll come back to regularly. Um, and that it's, it is written down somewhere and not necessarily stored in your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. But for the reason you, all the reasons you said, you know, when you want to share that information with team members or you want to outsource to some other service provider, it's really helpful to have that information all in one place as opposed to trying to, you know, just verbally explain to someone those things about your audience. That's why, like I mentioned earlier, I give my clients that messaging guide and that's got a lot of those key messages in there. The idea is that they can hand that document off to you know a VA or someone else on their team and then they can all use that same streamlined document to work from. And what are some of your favorite things to like include in that? And, and not in necessarily the whole messaging document, but the voice of customer, the customer research info that you're putting together. What are some of your favorite types of things to put in there? Like I know for me, I love knowing like how people like what do they do the first thing when they turn their phone on in the morning, like what's the first thing they do or, you know, what's something they're obsessed with right now? Like I have the specific things that like, I'm really interested in hearing from people, but I wonder if there, if you have any favorite things to collect about your, your ideal customers. 
Yeah, there's there's so many good questions you can ask people. I love the you know first thing they do in the morning or first thing they look at on their phone. That's a great one. If you want to get like more specific, the sort of you know you asked me earlier about general buckets for that information. The key ones are really like we talked about pain points or like their current struggles and frustrations. Then there is their goals. So those are like external milestones they're working towards. So maybe it's something in their business. Maybe it's a, a fitness goal or a personal goal they're working towards. And then really Related to that are the internal desires behind those goals. So what's driving them to uh, to work towards that goal on a deeper emotional level? And then finally is objections and hesitations that might cause them to hesitate before they buy from you. So those are the general buckets. But in terms of specific questions, there's one that I really love. And that is to ask your ideal client about their ideal day. You know, what is an ideal, like perfect day in the life look like to them? That can tell you so many different things. That can answer almost all of those categories I just mentioned. It can tell you about, you know, where they're not satisfied right now in their life. It can tell you what they're working towards, what the deeper emotional driver is behind that. And just like it gives you so much powerful imagery that you can then use in your messaging to start to paint that picture for them of what the transformation looks like. Yeah, that's great. I love the question about the ideal day. I feel like I just want to go ask people that now because I'm, I know that for me, my answer would be very revealing. It would have to do with like being somewhere tropical and like, you know, (laughs) really healthy, which I don't always do. And, you know, it'd be very aspirational. I think there's a lot that can be learned from that. So I love that question. Yeah, it tells you a lot about a person for sure. What a day in their ideal life looks like. Yeah. What would be a day in your ideal life? Oh, that is a good question. Mine is I'm not like a beach and tropics person. So I would probably be in, you know, a cottage in the woods somewhere, just totally mm. disconnected. Um, you called it by the fire with a, a good book and some peace and quiet. Love. That sounds very good to me also. I, I live in Seattle, so that's probably where the, the beach desire is coming uh, yeah. from. <laughs> Tired of the rain. We do not have sun right now. So um, <laughs> one thing that a lot of folks worry about when it comes to marketing is being too much, kind of like putting themselves out there in a way that feels like they're opening themselves up to judgment or to people saying like, I don't know, cringe, cringing or whatever, <laughs> like Whatever the fear is, there's definitely a fear of being too much in our marketing and it just in any way that we show up online. What yeah. do you say to people who are experiencing that feeling? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say we all go through that. We all we all feel those feelings. Um, but I do recommend, you know, people hesitate to really show up as themselves online and to, you know, show their personality in their copy or in their content, wherever they're showing up. And I do really encourage people to again, lean into this discomfort and really go for it and don't hold back. The reason is because the more you do that and the more you show up fully and unapologetically without censoring yourself, the more you're going to attract in more of your ideal customers because the people in your audience that are a good fit for you and your products will naturally resonate with the types of stuff you're saying and with your your brand voice and your approach. So you will find those people. They are out there and they want to hear from someone like you. The other thing I would say is that I always say to my clients is good copy both attracts the right people and repels the wrong ones. So you don't want people buying from you that aren't a good fit. 
And I know that can seem kind of counterintuitive when you're just starting out. You're like, well, any sales are good sales. I need all the sales I can get. Um, and you know, I understand that as well. But you, in the long run, people who aren't a good fit from you, you don't want the people to buy from you because they'll end up, you know, they're going to send you emails complaining about customer service. They're not going to leave good reviews. They're not going to give you that lifetime customer value and that long-term brand loyalty. But if you if you're really yourself and your marketing, you're going to naturally attract more of the right people and you're going to, you know, politely and subtly turn those wrong customers away as well. Yeah. And and if you are kind of just feeling the fear of being judged, is your advice just to kind of like I mean, this is my advice, I guess. Tell me <laughs> if you have anything to add to this. Yeah. My advice is like you kind of give yourself a choice. It's like, are you willing to be judged and possibly like achieve all these things you want to achieve and like grow your business in this way? Or is it more important to you not to put yourself out there, not open yourself up to judgment? And as a result, probably also not make the progress that you want to be making. And so for me, I find that when I just make it like a clear, you have an A or B choice, like which one's more (laughs) important to you? There's no wrong answer. Like, you know, whichever one, is right. Go for that. But for me, when I give myself that choice, it's like, okay, like I'm willing to put myself out there. I'm willing for some random person I went to high school with to have a feeling about it and like, whatever, I don't care. Um, so that's my advice for people who might find themselves just like, I don't know, nervous about showing up in that way. Do you have anything to add to that? Do you agree? Disagree? Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that's great advice. I, to be honest, have been one of those people who is always like, you know, I am very much who I am. And I, (laughs) it's hard for me to be anything else. And so I don't worry so much about people judging me, but it is something that comes with practice, for sure, like we talked about earlier. And it can be, you know, uncomfortable to sit in that, especially in the early stages of your business. And I understand that it's, easier said than done to be like, well, just show up as yourself. Just keep putting yourself out there. Like that's really hard for some people, especially if you're more introverted or uh, like we talked about earlier, if you're totally new to the, the business world, the entrepreneurial world. So what I would say to those people who are still really struggling with that is just to remember there are people out there in your audience right now who need exactly what you have to offer. And by not showing up fully and by not you know putting that offer out there and selling to them, you're actually doing those people a disservice because they really need that thing and you're holding it back from them. So just try to keep that person in your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good reframe. Okay. Uh, kind of a last question before we start to transition. A last question on this topic is around values-based marketing. And I know this is a big focus of your work as someone who's really interested in working with purpose-driven businesses. Values and purpose go hand in hand. How do we use our values in our marketing in a way to align, to attract those like really aligned customers and... Um, I don't know, to not only not only market our businesses, but also further the causes and the topics that matter the most to us. Yeah, that's that's such a great question. There's no like one easy answer. I wish there was. I wish I could wrap this up in like a top three tip scenario. <laughs> but the truth is that you know, like values-based marketing and messaging should be something that just infuses everything you do in your business. And it's not something you necessarily do once and you you know, a lot of people these days I see they have on their websites their core values. And I do as well. <laughs> like I'll just say that I have those on my website. I think it's important, you know, potential clients want 
want to see that, see if you know we're aligned on those things. But it goes a lot beyond that that surface level, you know, here are my values in a cute little Instagram post. It really has to be something that you live in your own business practices as well. And something that you're leading by example. Um, Lauren, you're a great example of this. If I can use you as an example is that you're not just, yeah, you're, you know, your mission of, of making good and having a business that does good. You're not just, you know, on Instagram or social media preaching about doing that, you're actively giving people an example of that and creating a community for like-minded people to kind of rally around that mission. And so I would Mm -hmm. say, you know, look for ways you can really live it by example and show people what that looks like. Well, thank you. Made my day. (laughs) Um, And that's a great answer. Yay. Is there anything else you want to say about, you know, any of these things that we've talked about, copywriting, leading with empathy, fleece-free selling? We've covered a lot of ground already, but I just want to make sure that I don't stop you from anything else you might add. (laughs) Uh, That's a great question. I would... Okay, what I will do is I'll leave you with one reframe about how I like to think of sales and copywriting and what I aim to do when I'm marketing my own business and working with clients is instead of thinking about sales as something that you're, you know, you're converting people, you're pushing them, you're convincing them. I see that a lot when people talk about copywriting. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's all persuasion. Um, to me, the goal of copywriting and sales is not to convince people to buy from you, especially if you're selling something they don't necessarily need. That's not ethical at all. So instead, what I like to do and the way I like to think of it is you're driving people to take empowered action. So you're empowering them to make the best decision for them and you're selling them something that's hopefully going to improve their life in some way. So that is what I would end with. (laughs) Just keep that in mind. That is a perfect closing thought on this topic. Okay, so as we transition into the questions that I ask all of the guests on this podcast, I would love to hear from you how you approach doing good through your small business. Yeah, so community is really everything to me. Um, and supporting other copywriters and business owners, however I can, is is so important because I know I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have gotten to this point in my business without the support of other business owners. So I'm always looking for ways to give back to that community, whether it's sending people referrals or sharing resources, sometimes, you know, reviewing work for newer copywriters who are just starting out and they need like that, that second set of eyes mm-hmm. before they send something to a client. Um, one of my favorite, favorite things I do in my business is host an annual giveaway where I offer my consulting services for free. And I also partner with other service providers and they give away their services for free. And so one lucky winner gets all kinds of free one-on-one support to help them grow their business. But everyone who enters also gets like, you know, a a huge bundle of free resources as well. So everyone is a winner. um, But one person gets that one-on-one level to take their business um, to the next stage. Love. What is one small business that you admire? Yeah, I love this question. I think it's such a great way to to share more small businesses. The person that I would recommend, her name is Kristen. She's a brand strategist. Uh, her studio is called Cursor and Ink. She's someone that I worked with on my own rebrand recently, and she's become a friend as well. She is just so, so lovely and so incredible at what she does. She is honestly... She's a she's a branding genius in my opinion. <laughs> um, she really is. When I worked with her, it was a bit like going to brand therapy. Um, she oh forced me to 
Yeah, to really get deep and really consider like the long-term vision of my business. And yeah, I can't recommend her enough. Amazing. I look forward to checking her out and obviously sharing her in the show notes so you can find her there. What is a book that you would recommend? Yeah, a book I read recently, and it's not a business book, but it's something that I have been recommending to all my business friends. It's called I Didn't Do the Thing Today by Madeline Dore. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name right. It's D-O-R-E. And it's all about productivity guilt and perfectionism and (laughs) just sort of this endless cycle like we tend to find ourselves in, especially as entrepreneurs and and small business owners. And so it's really about learning how to be more compassionate with yourself on those days you don't check off like every single item on your endless to-do list. And it's about learning how to really enjoy the process as well as the end result. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a fun recommendation. That will be in the show notes as well. Um, Megan, I know that you have a resource, the conversion cheat sheet that I think my audience would love to get their hands on. Um, I think it's free if I'm not mistaken. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. And then also just where can folks find you online, connect with you, learn more about your work and how to work with you, all of the good, good next step stuff. Yeah, the conversion cheat sheet, you're correct. It's 100% free. And if there is anything in this interview that piqued your interest and you want to learn more about, this is the resource I recommend everyone start with. One, because it's free and it's it's also like a great introduction to uh, voice of customer research, getting to know your audience and learning how to write copy that really both connects with people and converts them into paying customers. So you can find that on my website at megansmythe.com. In terms of like ways to work with me, you'll find all of that there as well. My signature offer is a VIP week. It's called the Copy Party (laughs) because it's (laughs) lots of fun. And when we work together in a VIP week, you get that full messaging guide I mentioned earlier and also a full research-backed sales page or email sequence in under five days. Amazing. Megan, this has been so much fun. I'm so excited about sharing this with my audience. I feel like it's a whole new way that they can start thinking about copy just in a different way that's less less business, more human. So I just so appreciate everything you've shared and just the generosity of, of sharing your knowledge with us. And yes, listener, definitely go check out Megan. And she has a ton to offer. So Megan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Okay, so there you have my conversation with Megan Smythe. I really hope that you enjoyed this one as much as I did, and that it gave you a new way of thinking about selling. You can find links to Megan's website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 198. I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to this episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are two ways that you can give back to making good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review and your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 198. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.